Morning, everyone. What a delight it is to be gathered together in the Lord's house again, to be able to come together on the Lord's day and set our hearts and minds towards the great King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to lift up our hearts and minds and praise Him and adore Him. A very warm welcome to all of you, special welcome to any visitors among us this morning, especially those that have gathered to celebrate Ming's baptism. Wonderful opportunity for that as well. And we do pray that the Lord might minister to your hearts and that you might love Him and adore Him. Just one brief announcement, and that is, as was notified last week, there's going to be a brief congregational meeting directly after the service, so just ask you to remain with us. If you're a visitor here and you're like, I don't really want to be part of a congregational service, no one's going to be offended if you leave, if you leave you're welcome to do that. It'll probably only be about 10 minutes max, and then we'll smash into some coffee and tea and fellowship after that. But you are welcome to stay and join us for that as well. It'll just be a bit of a report and an announcement. However, we have come here this morning to worship the one true living God, and so I'd like to invite you to stand with me. Please stand as we come into the presence of God. And as God himself addresses us, his people, with the words of Psalm 113 and call us to worship him. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. And the people of God said, let's pray. Our Lord, our God, we we do offer all praise and adoration to you this morning, for you are worthy of all honor, all glory, all praise, all power, all strength, all might. And Lord, though the whole earth were ours, it would be an offering far too small to lay down on an altar for you. For you have not just existed, but you have given us the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have purchased a people for yourself, and you have said they are my people, and I am their God. And you have gathered us together from the corners of the earth, and you've made us one people, and one nation, and one tribe, and one language under God. And we pray, Lord, that as we gather together here this morning, and as we celebrate uh, the, the, the new birth of a child of God, and as we witness the sacrament of baptism, and as we praise you, and as we hear from you, and as we offer our prayers, that, Lord, everything would be done to the glory and praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, Lord, eyes by faith might behold Jesus Christ himself in his splendor, and we might indeed worship him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Come, brothers and sisters, let us worship God with the words of blessed be your name.
be seated. We're going to open up God's Word together this morning and turn through to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, and consider our standing before the Lord. We've just sung of a glorious Lord, one worthy of all praise and honor. We've blessed His name. One of the questions that surfaces from that is on what right do we approach and come near to the thrice holy God? And so we're going to read Exodus Exodus chapter 20 from verse 1 through to 17. This is God's word. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Amen. You know, you don't have to read very far down the list to realize that you have no right to approach God in and of yourself. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. And yet... Here we sit in the presence of the King. Here we sit in the presence of our Father. And here we sit with His smile upon us. How can that be? A people that are unworthy having the smile of their Father in heaven upon them. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Because there is one who has taken away our sin. There is one who has provided us with perfect righteousness that we might stand before the Lord forever. 
This is the immense privilege we have in the gospel, isn't it? And so it affords us the opportunity to come to him this morning in a time of confession, acknowledging our own personal sins and private sins before the Lord. And so we're going to have a time of silent prayer to bring our sins to the altar of the Lord and receive pardon. And I'll close us after that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you hear the, the cries of our heart, and Lord, as we examine our lives, we recognize that even as your people, so often we devote ourselves to the idols of our hearts. So often we create things and worship them. So often we misuse your name and misuse the day that you've given us to worship you. So often we, we lie, we cheat, we steal, we murder, we covet, we dishonor our parents and those placed over us. And we pray that you would hear the cry of our heart and you would cleanse our conscience. Lord, you tell us in Psalm 32 that let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. And we recognize this is a time that you may be found. So we bring our prayers before you. We pray that you would forgive us. And we thank you for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and his ongoing intercession that we might stand before you as a holy people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, Psalm 32 says, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You have confessed your sin, and he is faithful and just to remove all unrighteousness. And so you may stand boldly before the Lord as one of his children, beloved of the Father. And so I'd invite you to stand with me. Let us sing with the loud voices and rejoice in the forgiveness of of our God with the words of wonderful grace. Let's stand and sing. Thank you. 
We're going to turn to the Scriptures and turn through to the book of Psalms. If you're a visitor here, we love to just read our way through the Psalms each week, and we find ourselves in Psalm 96. Ninety-six. <clears throat> Praise the God who comes in judgment. <clears throat> oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him; strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is King. The world is firmly established; it should never be it should never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar, and all that fills in. Let the field exult. And everything in it, then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He is coming, for He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness, and the peoples with His truth. May God bless His words. Well, the Psalms often tell us, as that one did, to tell of the wondrous deeds of the Lord, right? And we could probably stand here for the next eternity and spend all of our time telling all of the wonderful deeds of the Lord. But we do have a special opportunity this morning to celebrate one of His amazing deeds, which is bringing a child of the devil into the kingdom of God. It's a great delight for all of us, all of us, isn't it? To to testify to the wonderful works of the Lord. It was a great joy for the elders to be able to meet with Ming and ex examine him and hear how the Lord worked in his life through the school and through teachers and peers in order to bring him to himself, to make him a child of God. And, and it's a double blessing for us because we get to witness that, and many of you know him, many of, for you, many of him, for many of you, he is your friend, got there in the end, but it is a delight to welcome him into the church, to see him become a brother, to become part of our family, to hear the Lord say once again, as we've heard many times before, you are my people and I am your God. And we bear testimony to that today, don't we? And so... Uh, Brother Ming, I'd like to welcome you to come to the front. Let me move this out of the way so people can see you. No hiding behind the pulpit. There's a music stand. I better not trip over that. Come up here, brother. 
well, Ming, in keeping with Romans 10, which says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. I would ask you to make a public profession before God and also before his people using the following five questions, and I'll get you to respond after each one. Ming, do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving the wrath of God and without hope except in his sovereign mercy? Do you repent of your sins and your sinfulness and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only Son of God and Savior of sinners, loving and trusting him alone as the one who saves you from your sins and provides you with his perfect righteousness? Do you believe that the Bible is the complete word of God, perfectly revealing Christ, his redemption, and all things necessary for his people? Do you promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit to strive with all your might to live as becomes a follower of Christ? Do you promise to give yourself wholeheartedly to the church of Christ, to submit yourself to its authority and discipline, and to exercise your gifts for its purity, peace, and praise? Praise the Lord. Congregation, would you please stand? I'm going to ask you to respond to three questions using the words on the screen. Brothers and sisters, do you promise to receive Ming in Christ? Do you promise to love, encourage, and support him by teaching and living out the gospel? Do you promise to give him the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service? People of God, what is your answer? Amen, and may God enable you to do so. Please be seated. Well, Ming, baptism is a reality expressing five things. It's a sign of your need to be washed by the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the promise of salvation that comes to you in the gospel. It is a seal by which you are united to Christ and joined to the body of Christ by God's grace through the Holy Spirit. It is a means by which you are nourished and strengthened to live for God in this life. It is a pledge by which you can be assured of God's goodness, His grace, and His fatherly care. And lastly, it is a call to live faithfully as one who has been set apart by God himself. And so as we come to baptize you, let us come before the Lord in a time of prayer and ask for his blessing upon this sacrament. Let's pray.
Our Father, we pray, would you be pleased to smile upon us? Lord, for generation after generation, you have declared, these are my people, and I am their God. And we pray, Lord, that as we come and, and baptize Ming now, that by your Holy Spirit, you would make it efficacious in his heart and mind, that you would cause it to well up within him to grace upon grace, that he might walk in newness of life, that he might find delight and joy in his God, and that, Lord, not a day would go by where he does not remember the day when he was named with your name, when he was given the triune name. And so we pray, Lord, help us to see, help us to receive by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to come kneel here for me, brother. Haoming Chen, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may rise. Brother, I bring you an exhortation to make good upon your confession and to make use of this baptism from the words of Ephesians 5. Be an imitator of God. As a beloved child, walk in love, just as Christ has loved you and given himself for you as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice of God. Amen. Can I please ask the elders to come forward and on behalf of the congregation welcome Ming into the church. And then Brother Duane will pray for Ming. Let us pray. <clears throat> Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. What uh, joy it is to share in your wonderful work in Ming's life and in his heart. We praise you. We thank you for the gift of grace. Lord, we thank you that uh, though by nature we were Indeed, children of wrath, but by your immense love and by your great mercy, you have made us alive and um, redeemed us through Christ Jesus. So we thank you. We thank you for your grace upon Ming's life. We thank you for calling him to be one of your own. We thank you that he, with courage, and with boldness proclaims Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, we rejoice. And again, we say rejoice, and we thank you. 
we thank you for his parents and we pray for his family. We thank you for um, all his friends and many who have come to support him today. We thank you for the staff and of Manukau Christian School who are also here. Lord, we, we give you the glory for the work, for the gift of grace that you have extended to me, for the sign of the covenant that we have witnessed in his baptism this morning, and for the love that you have for him. We give you praise and we ask that you would reveal to him uh, the, the plans that you have for him and the work that you would have him do in your church and in the community and at university and in his family. Well, we give you glory for, for everything we have shared in this morning and we pray for Ming that you would continue to uh, hold him dear and grow him strong in the faith that he might serve and glorify you for the rest of the days of his life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, brother. Well, let's stand and sing our membership song, The Church's One Foundation.
We have the opportunity today to come before the Lord in a time of prayer and bring our needs before him. So let's bow our heads in a time of prayer.
Do we have any children that would like to come to, this, to the front this morning? Gonna have to make some room. Come up here. Come up here. Yeah, shift across. Shift across there. Yeah, yeah, just here. Good man. Well, children, I need uh, your vote on something. Okay, this is a very hard question, and you're gonna have to vote on it. Are you ready? You have to use your brain power a lot here. Ready to go? Okay. Put your hand up if you think I'm dead. Put your hand up if you think I'm dead. None of you. No, one. Okay, good. I am dead. No, I'm not. Am I dead? I look pretty alive, right? I've got some breathing going on. <sighs> I think my heart's beating. Yep, heart's still going. I'm still moving, so I must be alive, right? But did you know that when Adam and Eve sinned, God said there was a punishment? Does anyone remember what that punishment was? Yes, that was a part of it. But if God said, if you eat of the tree, what will happen? You will die. That's right. Now, question. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, did they die? No. Hmm. That's problematic, isn't it? Did God lie? No, because God never lies, right? They died later on, true, but they didn't die straight away. And God said, you will surely die. So... A little bit later on, we're going to be thinking about people dying and people or people being dead and then people coming back to life again. And I think, what does it mean for us to be dead? Not actual dead, dead, but like dead and punishment. How do I help you understand that? And then I remembered this lovely pot of flowers over here. Do you see this beautiful pot of flowers? Whoever did it, great job. Here's this lovely pot of flowers. Don't drop it, Logan. There's this beautiful pot of flowers. It's lovely, isn't it? Now, are these plants, are these beautiful flowers dead or alive? Alive. alive. One of them, oh, a little bit looks like it's dead. Yeah, okay. Uh, if we leave them here till uh, next week, how alive are they going to look? You're gonna, yeah, they're not going to look great, eh? What about next year? They're going to be super dead, eh? In a sense, you could say these flowers are dead. They don't look it, but they're kind of dead because they're cut off from what? The plant, that's right, and the plant gives them life. And that's, that's what it means for Adam and Eve and for us to be dead. We're not cut off from a plant, of course, because we're not plants. I think. But we're cut off from our life source, aren't we? And I better put these back before I drop them because that's going to be real embarrassing. Um, easy, good. Um, we're, we're cut off from the life source so that we can no longer live. We may still physically be alive, but we're actually dead. And the Bible tells us that the world's filled with people like that. And we're going to be considering today how those dead people can come to life. Did you know that Ming, the guy we just baptized, he used to be dead? Crazy, eh? And I used to be dead too. And in fact, everyone in the whole world that's ever lived has been dead. 
or is dead. And the only way they can come to life is through Jesus Christ. And Paul's going to help us understand how that happens. So you're going to have to think really hard today in the sermon. And then I want you to come and find me and tell me how dead people come to life, okay? So let's pray and ask God to help us understand. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that uh, though we were dead, yet we have been made alive. And that there is life. And we pray that, Lord, as we consider your word later on and, and as we read and think and hear, that you would give us hearts to believe what you have to say. We pray for these children that, Lord, even now in their hearts would be flowing life. We thank you for your covenantal promises to them to be their God. And we pray that you would bless them with yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to stand and sing God is over all, and then you guys can find your worksheets after that. Let's stand and sing together.
remain standing. 2 Corinthians says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Let's dedicate the offering to the Lord. Our Lord, we thank you that you have provided for us as your people that you have cared for us tenderly as a father cares for his children. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us now as we, as we give this to you, that, Lord, we would give it with cheerful hearts, that we would not give with reluctancy or bitterness, but we would sow freely. We ask, Lord, that you would take this money and use it to care for the weak and the vulnerable, for sojourners and aliens the downtrodden, for widows and orphans. And we pray, Lord, that wherever this money goes, it would build up the kingdom of God and glorify your holy name from the greatest to the least of gifts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. If you have your Bible with you today, we're turning through to the book of Titus. Sorry, we're not turning to Titus. What am I talking about? That's this evening. We're turning to Ephesians. <clears throat> Force of habit. We've been working our way through Titus. We're turning to Ephesians today. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. Very special passage to many of us. In my mind, one of the greatest summaries of the gospel Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10, and our word for today. This is indeed God's holy and infallible word for you on the Lord's day. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once walk, lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us, a liver, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word to us. And before we come to consider it, let's come before him in a time of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that, that as we gather before you on this Lord's Day, that you promise to speak to your people, that you, our King, address us as your subjects, that you, our Father, speak tender words to us, that you continue to lead us in the way we should go. And we pray, Father, that as we hear the voice of Christ today, as his word is preached, that we would indeed see your glory, that we might see Jesus Christ by faith and worship him in the preaching of your word. We pray, Lord, just like it was for Galatia, that Jesus Christ would be portrayed publicly as crucified in our very midst, through the preaching of the gospel. We ask that you would give us ears to hear and you would give us hearts to believe everything that the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone loves a good miracle story, don't they? And miracles, it's one of those words that gets thrown about pretty frequently. You see it in movies. You see it in casual conversation. My, my favorite of this is whenever a baby is born, everyone says what? Oh, the miracle of new life. Um, as much as, you know, I don't want to down on people's parades, it's actually not a miracle. It's just, you know, part of the way God's made us is to procreate, Right. Uh, We can use the word miracle in a very sort of popular way like that. When something fortunate happens, we say, that was a miracle when I had my car accident and destroyed my car and hopped out with a scratch on my finger. People said, that was a miracle. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I should call it a miracle or not, but miracles actually do have kind of like a technical definition. A miracle is something that goes against the ordinary means or ordering of creation. Hence why having a baby is not a miracle, I'm sorry. But, you can still call it a miracle because it's super cute. But, other things are, right? We do hear of miracles. In fact, we've actually testified to a miracle today, a real miracle. The raising of a dead person. That's a miracle, right? When, when Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and said, come forth, no one was like, well, that was lucky, right? Now, everyone's like, well, that's not normal. That's a miracle, they would have said. It is a miracle when a dead person comes back to life. And, and we have witnessed one. In fact, this room is filled with living testimonies of the miraculous power of God. 
Every single saved believer, every single saved person is a walking story, a walking miracle story of how God moves. And I want us to look at a miracle story today. I want us to think about the miraculous story of Ming and of every single one of us who is redeemed by our God. And Paul describes it for us, doesn't he, in Ephesians 2? But, you know, every good miracle story has to start with what? Tragedy. It's to start with a bad news. It has to be a problem. You know, the miracle's not very exciting if the person never has something go wrong, right? Well, we start with some bad news. There's no good news without bad news. If we don't start with the bad news, we can't really appreciate what God's done. And Paul describes it in very vivid detail, doesn't he? How does Paul describe the bad news? Paul says three things in a nutshell. He says, you were dead, you were enslaved, and you were an object of wrath. That, that's Paul's description of the bad news, of the state you were in. You were dead. Have a look at verse 1. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. You weren't just physically dead. Well, you weren't physically dead. You were spiritually dead under your sin, under your rebellion, under your hatred of God, under everything that is cancerous and sinful within your very nature. It wasn't just that you did bad things occasionally, but the very presence of you was sin. This is why God says to Adam and Eve, get out of the garden. You can no longer dwell in my presence. Why? Because you're sinful. You're fallen. Your nature is corrupt. But Paul says, not, not only were they dead, not only was Ming dead in his trespass and sin, not only were you dead in your trespass and sin, you were enslaved. And you were enslaved to three things. Have a look at verse 2. Following the course of this world, you were enslaved as a dead person, following the patterns, the behaviors, following what everybody else in the world did. But not only that, you were following the prince of the power of the air. We could have a lengthy discourse as to who that is, but just, it's the devil, all right? Save you some time. You followed the devil the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So you're, you're looking at the world and you're saying, that's a pretty good pattern. I quite like the way the world lives. And you are looking at the devil and saying, he's a pretty top-notch guy. I'm going to follow him. He makes for a great captain. And you're doing this while dead. But then there's one more thing. Verse 3, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and just before that, living in the passions of our flesh. So you were following the world, following the devil, and following the lusts, the passions, the sinful desires that are bound up within you. So you're dead, but like a zombie dead person, you're devoting every aspect of your being to everything that God hates. That's Ming's story. 
And you might think to yourself, well, that's not a very nice slogan. But I'm not the one saying it, am I? God's the one saying it. But not only that, Paul drives the nail, you know, just a bit further. It's like, it's like when, when the child comes along and hits the hammer in, the nail in, and they manage to get it to like three mils above the piece of wood, and they go, I'm done. And what does dad come do? One more time, and drives it home. And so Paul says in verse 3, you were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. What that means is there was only one way that God could relate to Ming. Wrath. And nothing else. But lest we think we're just picking on Ming, what does Paul say? Paul says in verse 3, among whom we all once lived. No one is excluded, brothers and sisters. This is the natural disposition of every human being born of Adam and Eve. This is your nature. And like a sheep can't fly, the sinful human being can't do anything except for sin. And they have but one fallen reality and destination, which is eternal damnation. And we can say till the cows come home, we don't like that. And it makes no difference. We can wishfully believe that everyone's going to go to a better place. You know, my wife and I just went to a funeral recently for a family member who's an unbeliever. And person after person after person stood up and said, we're so happy she's going on her next spiritual journey. Isn't it wonderful that she can be attending cruise liners up there? Isn't it lovely that she can be bossing the boss around up there? She was destined for damnation. And I do not say that lightly. And I know many of you here who have family and people you love and friends and work colleagues. And some of you sitting in this room are there right now. You are dead in your sins and without hope. As, as Ming acknowledged this morning, you are a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving the wrath of God and without hope, save in the sovereign mercy of God alone. That's the bad news. It's far worse than Sauron or a, or a ring. It's death. But you know, every good miracle story has the miraculous turning moment, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a very good miracle story. 
be just more of a depressing story. And yet that's what we find. You see, this, this miraculous story of what took place in Ming's life doesn't end at verse 3, does it? It doesn't stop there. What a depressing letter Ephesians would be if it ended at chapter 2, verse 3. But it doesn't because there's a conjunction. If you don't know what a conjunction is, it's the word but in verse 4. There's a glorious conjunction. It's the word but. It's as though Paul just also, but wait on. Wait, don't stop reading yet. Don't stop listening. Because there's glorious good news. You were dead. You were following all these evil things. You were enslaved. You were an object of wrath. We all were. But God. It couldn't be anything else. It couldn't be but me or but man or but a system or but some aliens. There was only one person, there was only one being in all of eternity that could help us, and it was God, and it is God. And so Paul says, but God did something. He didn't have to, brothers and sisters. He could have left us there. But God did something. What did he do? Look at, that. Look at how Paul describes it. It's, it's fascinating when... When you read this in the original, it's almost like Paul's struggling to find the words to express it. It's actually hard to find suitable English words to express it because it's just, it's so Paul. He's just so overwhelmed with the goodness of God that he's trying to find words that would capture the glory and the mystery and the infinite nature of what God's done. And so he says in verse 3, but God being infinitely like abounding in rich mercy. And because of the, the super abundant love, this huge love which he's lavished upon us. He hasn't even got to telling us what he's done yet, right? He's like, I'm going to tell you what God's done. And then he just looks at God and says, it's his mercy. It's his love. He's poured it out upon us. And then it's like, he throws in this casual reminder, right? While, while, even while, even when we were dead in our trespass. It's not that all of a sudden you had mysteriously started being a good person, you know? It's like all of a sudden you started scrubbing up a bit. You know, you stopped looking at the bad stuff and you stopped lying. So, well, I'm trying to be a good person. So, God, I'm ready for you to do the work now. So, no, so while you were still dead, Paul says, because of this overflowing nature of his mercy and grace, God comes and what does he do? Three things. He made us alive together with Christ, verse 5. Verse 6, he raised us up with him and he seated us with him. In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What, what, what is this talking about? I mean, I don't know if you feel like you're seated in heavenly places right now. I mean, I know these brown chairs are comfy, but so I'm sure, sure the chairs in glory are far more comfortable than these ones. What, what does it mean by, by seated in heavenly place and raised up? I mean, you know what it's like when you get up in the morning, especially if you're older. You don't feel very raised up, do you? 
I'll watch my dad getting out of bed. I hope he doesn't watch this. I'll watch my dad getting out of bed in the morning. It takes him about five minutes to get down the end of the hallway and get his back straight. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about one of the most glorious things that we've received, and that is our union with Christ. You see, it's not just that it's not, it's not like God sort of stood off at a distance and waved a magical salvation wand at us. You know, look at these dead people. Let me just zap them with my God power and raise them up and fix them. No, no, he, he came down in flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. The Word became flesh so that... We might be children of God. John 1, right? See, he comes down and dwells among us so that we might be taken up from death, up from following the ways of this world and the devil and the flesh, out of being a child of wrath and united to Christ and so permanently attached to Christ that nothing can ever separate us. And so what's happened is, Though one day you will die unless Jesus comes back first, you will live. Though you are here, yet you are so united to Christ that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Though you were dead, you are very much alive, even though you may feel very much the same as every other person in this world. You are totally different. Everything about you is different if you're a believer. Because you are in Christ. And so there's, there's this old hymn that says something to the effect of, Though the saints in heaven, though more happy, are no more secure. Isn't that an incredible thought? thought? Think about that. The saints in heaven, by all means, they're more happy, right? They're not putting up with the, the filth of this world that we're putting up with. They've been there and they've had their tears washed away in part. But they're not more secure because they're just as united to Christ as you and I are. And so you need never doubt, no matter how much corruption comes to your body, whether it's cancer, whether it's death, whether it's persecution, makes no difference because none of those things bear any impact whatsoever upon your position before God because you are washed, sanctified, set apart, chosen. Your God has said, I am your God. And you are my people. And no one can take that away. That's why we baptize into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What we did today is we took the triune name of God and we plastered it on Ming. So that from this day forth, he is known as Ming Chen, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And just like no one can revoke your last name, no one can revoke the name 
of our triune God upon you. And that's what he's done for Ming and for everyone who would confess that Jesus is Lord, right? But that does beg a question, doesn't it? Is this true of you? Do you have the name of God upon you? Have you believed in Christ? Have you been raised from the dead? Have you been united to him? Have you been seated with him? Because if not, you're still dead in your sin, right? If not, you're still following the course of this world. You're still enslaved. And you're still an object of wrath. You need to be made an object of grace. For it's by grace that we are saved. But how do we do that? It's by faith that you are saved, right? Paul says. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. What we do is we come empty and we say, Christ, I have nothing. That's what Ming said. I have nothing. I've got nothing to contribute. I've got no family to brag about. I've got no heritage to claim. I've got no rights to claim. I've never done anything good in my life. There is nothing in the entirety of this world that would make any reason for you to accept me or love me. But you have promised any who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so here I am. You know, 1 John 5 says this just beautiful, mind-boggling thing. It says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? If you say no to that, then you are not born of God and you are going to hell. It is that simple. But if you will but believe that Jesus is the Christ, you are born of God. And you will go to glory forever. There's no third option. That's the miracle story, isn't it? From death to life. But you know, there's one more part to this miracle story, and that's the purpose. What? You know, we've got this dead object of wrath who becomes a glorious object of grace, but why? It's so that you and I, just like Ming, might be amazing. Objects of praise. Have, have a look at verse 7. Three things. Let me point out to you three things. They're all so, like this word so that or that. Verse 7. So that, so God the Father did all of these things in Christ. Verse 7. So that 
in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable, superabundant riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So first thing, why has he done all of this? So that, so that you might be a living, eternal testimony to the kindness of God. It goes a little bit something like this. Jesus comes back. Praise the Lord. Jesus comes back. And all the people are raised from the dead. And Ming stands up. And he stands at the throne of God. And everyone looks at him. Do you understand this is poetical, right? I'm not suggesting this is actually taking place, right? Okay, so Ming stands up at the throne of God before the Lord. And do you know what everybody says? Isn't Ming such an amazing guy? No, they don't say that. What do they say? Behold the kindness of God. The super abundant kindness of the Lord. It works a little bit like when you go to the art expo or the museum and, and you see a piece that you're amazed by, you know, some gorgeous painting or a sculpture or whatever it is that you find fascinating and you see it, you, you go, wow, that's an amazing picture. But what's the question going inside of your head a little bit? How incredible must be the person that painted that thing? If I did that, it would be a two-dimensional stick figure. How did they make it so realistic? And you can see the contours of the person's face and everything so perfect. And you go, the artist's incredible. Or, or you read a stunning book and you think the author is incredible. Who is this person? What an amazing work they've done. That's what takes place, brothers and sisters. He's saved you this way. He's ordered it this way. He's ordained it this way so that everyone would see you and go, what a God. Not what a Logan or what a Ming or what any of the rest of us. What a God that he would save a sinful wretch and make him a treasure. And so there's no boasting, right? What am I going to boast about? Well, I used to be pretty dead myself, you know. And I was pretty good at following the world, the flesh, and the devil. I don't know about you, but I really gave myself into sin. And I was a really big object of wrath. That's my brownie points, brothers and sisters. And that's your brownie points. That's what you can flex about. But God displays his kindness for you in this way by making you an object of treasure, an object of grace, so that his name would be exalted. It's like we sang earlier, his name is wonderful. But notice the second thing. And I already spoiled it for us. Verse 8. So that... No one may boast. And so we can skip over it because I've already dealt with it and go to number three. Verse 10. We are his workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus for good, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should or might walk in them. He has not freed you from sin. The flesh, the devil, brought you to life and liberated you from being an object of wrath so you can give yourself back to sin again. He has liberated you so that you might be free indeed. And he, by his grace, in order to display that everything Everything depends upon him. He's even chosen the works for you and ordained the works for you and laid out the works for you so that all you have to do is walk in them. You don't even have to try. You just literally walk forward in the Christian life and do the things that God has planned for you. So that again, no one may boast. No one may stand up at the end of the days and say, look at all the works I did. Look at this wonderful treasure of sermons I preached. Look at all the pastoral visitations I did. Look at the meetings I ran. Nonsense, because God prepared it all. You know, it's, it's like when our children, you know, and we smile about it because we, we delight in our children, but, you know, it's like when you do basically everything, you know, like you build the whole Lego castle, and then you leave them the last piece, and you're like, put the Lego piece in there. And they're like, I made the castle! Or they put the last puzzle piece, and they're like, I did the puzzle! And you're like, you totally didn't do anything. We just, we just walk in the pattern of the Lord. We just follow in our, in our master's footsteps, right? I, I can still remember vividly going to the beach when I was a little kid. And, and one of my favorite things to do, because my dad had really long legs. I, mean, I was five, so everyone's legs were long. But, you know, my dad had re- felt like enormously long legs. He's actually shorter than me now. But he had really long legs, and he, and he had big feet. You know, and he'd take these massive strides down the beach. And so little mini Logan's doing what? I can walk in his footsteps. Too. I'm like, Yah! matching every footstep as I go, stretching out. Why? Because I want to be like my dad. Because I love my dad and I respect my dad. I can remember sitting at the dinner table one day and watching my dad because for some weird reason, my dad who's right-handed eats left-handed. And I'm like, my dad cuts with the other knife. So I'm like, well, I better do that too. So I switched hands. I still eat cack-handed to this day because I wanted to be like my dad. I can remember, this is how pathetic I am. I can remember being 14 and attending a like graduation type ceremony with my dad and I was sitting next to my dad and and you know how you know you do this thing where you put your foot over your leg like this when you're sitting down so he's sitting there with like his right leg over him I'm I'm, I'm like not paying attention to anything that's going on in this room I'm just like watching what my dad's doing and he's like this so I'm like and, and then he's like this so I do the same thing and then he switches legs and so I do the same thing because I just want to be like my dad I could, so beautiful, I could tell you stories. I saw a beautiful example of this with my son. We're at, we're at this little Baptist church filled with all old people. And I, I mean like the average age must be 78. And, and I love old people, so please don't get me wrong here. And, and, and so we're the only family in this church. 
and, and Isaiah was like this big, you know, just tiny, just learning how to do church stuff. And I would say to him, see that old man over there? Just do what he does. And he would spend the whole service watching him. And he'd stand up, and so he'd stand up, and he'd be like, taking it very literally, you know. Because he's like, here's someone I want to be like, because here's this respectable, godly man. That's what God's done for us. He's just set this pattern for us, and we just walk in it. But we've got to walk in it, right? Don't get off the path. Don't turn back away from the works of the Lord to the ways of the patterns of our flesh because we're always tempted to, aren't we? Attempted to give up the God we love for the works of this world. You know, we all love miracle stories, don't we? They're just so, so inspiring to hear. They fill us with awe. You know, as I was, as I was thinking about this, uh, a memory came to me of uh, towards the end of uh, the Lord of the Ring book where right at the end, the ring's been destroyed. If you don't understand Lord of the Rings, just check out for five seconds or so. So the ring's been destroyed and, and Sam and Frodo are recovering and Sam's waking up in Gondor. And, and Sam wakes up and Tolkien writes just these, these amazing words. He says, Sam lay back. So he's just woken up and then he lay back. Why? Because he's just seen Gandalf. So we tend to forget when we read through the book that those two guys don't know that Gandalf's alive, because you know, we've been living with living Gandalf for quite a while now. But here's, here's we Sam. He sees Gandalf for the first time, and it says, Sam lay back and stared with open mouth. And for a moment, between bewilderment and great joy, he could not answer. At last, he gasped. Gandalf! I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? And Gandalf said, a great shadow has departed. You know, brothers and sisters, can't we say that about Ming today? I mean, some of you have known Ming for a long time. You can say this way better. You can say, Ming, I thought you were dead. But then, I used to be dead too. Are all the sad things coming untrue? And not Gandalf. But Jesus Christ himself says, a great shadow has departed. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a joy it is for us to see dead men alive. And we think, Lord, of our own stories. We think of the way that you have called so many of us to yourself. And we just give you all honor, praise, and glory for the cross of Jesus Christ that has set us free. But Lord, we're also aware that there are many in this world that hate you. There are many dead in their sins and trespasses. There are many following the course of this world, following the course of the devil, following the course of their lusts 
and the passions of their flesh, and by nature are objects of wrath. And we pray, God, be merciful. God, set them free. Even today, Lord, in this very room, would you give birth to an object of grace? And we pray, help us to be objects of praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, let us stand and respond to God's word with the words of the power of the cross. Please stand with me.
stand standing. By faith, look to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive His abundant and rich blessing for another Lord's Day. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Glory to God in the highest. Where justice 